All right. Good morning. Welcome. It's good to see everyone here this morning. My name is Pastor Cooper. I'm the associate pastor here at Cheney Faith Center. And um, I have the privilege of speaking this morning. And as I mentioned early on when uh, I was welcoming everybody to church at 1030, but I know some of us we're a little late. You might not catch the welcome. That's okay. Grace abounds. Grace abounds. Um, we are in week three of our 40 days of prayer series. So as you can see on that back wall, um, our church has taken this challenge where we've chosen things in our lives, either a person, a problem, or a promise. We've written that on one of those little tiny white circles We've pinned it in that big black circle that has like the logo design with it and saying, we're going to pray for this thing. We're going to lift this up for the next 40 days and pray for whatever I wrote down on there. And I'm going to expect, I'm going to have faith that God will do things with that prayer request. And already, um, like I mentioned before, there's been some answers to those prayers. So everybody just look back at that wall. So you can see there's some string that's kind of going outside of that big black circle. And those circles that are pinned outside, those little tiny white ones, are answered prayers of people saying like, I got an answer from the thing that I posted inside that circle. So I just think that's awesome. I did this before, but let's just give a round of applause for just God already doing work in people's lives. It's great. And so I want to continue to encourage you, challenge you to... Um, post those things. If there's an answer to prayer, put a hole in the wall. Somebody like a week or two ago um, said, you guys are okay with putting a bunch of holes in the wall? And it's like, in the name of Jesus, yeah, we are. They had this thing called spackle and we'll, we'll fix it. Don't worry. But um, so seriously, like if you have more prayers you want to pray over, put them inside the circle. You aren't limited to just one little circle. We have, I think, 600 printed. So use them up. We want to see just God do some really cool things in all of our lives and just as our church um, is growing in this topic of prayer. So um, today I'm going to be preaching a message um, out of one of our daily readings. So we got these books. I think we sold out of them. We sold 250 of these books. Oops, sorry, I just hit my microphone. Um, we sold 250 of these books to people in our church um, so our life teams are going through it. Um, a lot of us in this room are going through it. And so every day there is a reading. Every day there is something um, that we're going to read through and hopefully digest, be challenged by, be encouraged by um, as we're talking about this topic of prayer. And so I'm going to be in day 12. And that's what I felt the Lord kind of speak to me. Um, and the author, Mark Batterson, who is a, a pastor from the Washington, D.C. area, he titled that day, Sow a Seed. He said, sow a seed. And so that's what I'm going to use as kind of our jumping point for today's discussion conversation. Um, and I hope that it challenges you, hope that it encourages you. Um, as we see from God's word and just, um, just the parable that Jesus provides for us in this context of how through little small faith-filled beginnings, if we sow those seeds, God can do some amazing things in our life and his glory can be, can be displayed in immense, immense uh, measures. So before we do that, I wanna pray for us. Is that cool? All right, let's, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you. We give you this time. Jesus, open up our hearts and our minds. Holy Spirit, just use the words. Let it be true and let them be of you, Lord God. And so, um, Jesus, this time is yours. 
And so we just want to back away and allow you to work and um, teach us something new, Lord. So we pray this in your name. Amen. I want to I paint a picture for us, um, for our culture, and kind of where we're at um, as a people. And kind of, again, look at that through a lens of how that could possibly shape how we view prayer, how we can look at prayer through a certain lens of expectations, wanting responses, whatever it might be. So our culture, it's probably not a shocker, we like things quick, right? We want quick responses. We want something to communicate back to us in a very quick, rapid way. So we know what's going on. Um, who's ever sent a text message? You want that response. You like look in that text thread and all of a sudden all you see is those three little dots, the bottom left of your phone. You're like, are they going to respond back to me? What's going on? You kind of have that minor freak out, right? We always want a response. We want somebody to tell us something. Um, even in our, in our current culture, travel, right? We can go from Spokane to Seattle in like 30 minutes on a plane. It takes longer to be in the TSA line than it does to actually fly from point A to point B. We can go to places quickly. We can get information quickly. Um, a lot of us have notifications to our wrists, our pockets with our cell phones, in our cars, wherever it is. You get a text message, all of a sudden your wrist is going, your car is talking to you, and you're like, sweet, I'm notified. Like, we just constantly have feedback. We get responses from everything and all things, and that becomes a cultural norm that starts to become an expectation in all areas of our life and in this area of prayer. And so if we're sitting there thinking like, I don't know what the answer is to this question or whatever it is. You say, okay, Google, right? Or so let me go Google that because we want a quick answer. We want something to be instant so we can get that response. Everything's live now, right? Facebook live, Instagram live TV. Everything's like live, live, live. And there's an expectation that you should get feedback live. You should, you should actually process your emotions and everything all instantly and give your perfect cookie-cutter answer live in the moment. That's hard. And a lot of times people say things they probably wish they wouldn't have said. But that's our culture. We live in a culture where we expect instant feedback, constant feedback, and our expectations show that. And we say, that's just what we want to do. So how does that relate when we talk about prayer, if that's been our culture that we've kind of are living in and growing in, um, in, how does that relate to prayer? It's in those moments of maybe not getting feedback right away, of not getting that response where you put that prayer request out there and maybe God's not answering right away, that it gets uncomfortable, that it gets kind of awkward. And to be honest with you, as a pastor, I struggle with this hugely. Not only from just a personal way, but being a pastor that prays for a lot of people when they come to the church or just up front here, in some ways in my logical brain, which gets me in trouble a lot of times, I feel like I have to almost represent God's answers for that person. And I put myself as like God for them in a weird way and it's unhealthy, and it's not good. And how many times do we as people, when we expect an answer and we don't get it, we get uncomfortable, we just write God off. We just say, he's not answering, so I'm moving on. We do that 
in our culture with texting and comments and different stuff, we don't get something, we just move on. We go to the next thing because we can ask that next person. So when, when God in that process isn't giving instant feedback, how do we take that in? How do we respond to that? Well, in day 12 of our reading in Draw the Circle, the author Mark Batterson again titles his uh, little sections, about three pages, called Sow a Seed. And it was something that um, sparked some encouragement, but also some challenge in my own life as I was reading through that. And he brought in the parable out of Matthew 13, verses 31 through 32. If you have your Bible with you, um, please turn with me to that section of Scripture. If you have an iBible, click into it, get to that section. We'll have it up on the screen behind. Um, and just for a little context, background, Jesus is talking to a bunch of people. Um, this is about 2,000 years ago. And he's talking in parable form. Basically short stories that have illustrations that drive home a point, And they usually are related into some type of context that his audience would understand. His audience was um, agricultural. They were farmers. So that's how he shared a lot of his stories or his parables was in that context. And actually he was, um, he was in a boat. So he was off the water a little bit because the crowd was so vast they just got in the boat and they pushed him off a little bit so he could still have like an audience and they can hear him. And so that's how Jesus talked. And that's how he shared a lot of these big overarching concepts was through parables, through short stories. And again, he used it in the form of agricultural terms. So, so seeds, farmer scattering seeds, all those things. For me, I'm a duck hunter. I'd be like, Jesus, talk about duck hunting. Like set my decoys out. Birds are coming on a feeder call. They land gracefully. Amen. I'd be like, I get it. Awesome. Let's move on. So he's talking to them in a parable, and this is in Matthew 13. And he says this. Here in another illustration Jesus used, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in its branches. Now, I'm not a farmer, but I have planted some little seeds. Like when I was a kid, like carrots and raspberries, and you see it grow, and you're like, oh, yay, and you get to eat it, and it's awesome. Um, but one thing, and to my knowledge, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is when you plant something from a seed form, it never, never gets smaller when you harvest it. It's not like you plant the seed, you go for harvest time after a couple of months, and it's like, oh, what's that? Is that what I eat? Usually, the seeds are going to reproduce. They're going to grow. They're going to create some type of plant that will produce fruit or something for you to use for whatever use, right? So that's usually what happens is the seed never gets smaller. It always grows. And so Jesus uses this illustration of a mustard seed to show that, hey, this little tiny seed, when you sow that seed, it'll grow into a magnificent, huge big tree or shrub or bush. And so I want to just show a couple of pictures. The first one is a mustard seed. This was typical of probably the time um, and the type of mustard seed that they used in biblical times in their climate. That's super tiny. That's like smaller than a speck of pepper that'll make you sneeze. It's really small. And so that's a tiny, tiny seed that he's talking about. And so he's saying, hey, you sow that seed and you're going to watch what grows. And so here's the next picture. This is a typical 
mustard seed, bush, shrub, tree, however you want to categorize it, that would come from that little tiny seed. That's crazy. Now, a lot of times in like Christian bookstores, they show like an actual picture of like a big tree out of a mustard seed. I believe those are also mustard seed trees. This one is more accurate to what would be in that climate um, in the Mediterranean area and all that stuff that Jesus is talking about. Big nonetheless, right? A large tree from a little tiny seed. So Jesus is saying, hey, God can do big, big things from small beginnings. A little bit of faith towards a prayer, God will use that, grow it into immense, massive responses. And so our first point this morning that I want us to just start to dialogue on is this, is sow a seed. It's the title of that day's reading, but I think something for us to really take into an action step is our first step is literally to sow a seed of prayer. We have to take a step. We have to take a first action to begin the process of growth. If we don't sow a seed, we don't allow that seed to grow. If it's just not in the ground, it's not gonna do anything. And so what I feel like the Lord was challenging me in is in all of the things that you're praying about, actually really sow that seed of prayer. Pray about it. Even if you're scared that it might not get answered, even if you're worried that for years you've been thinking about this and nothing's happened because your relative is still struggling with this sickness, still sow that seed of prayer. And a quick encouragement is this morning, if God is already working on your heart and you're like, man, I should, I, should, I should sow a seed of this prayer I've been thinking about for the last five years, do it today. Write it on a little piece of white paper we have back there and pin it on the wall. Take that step of faith and say, I'm gonna sow a seed of prayer today. So Jesus gives us encouragement though within this parable is we just need to have a little bit of faith, just a little bit of faith in those prayers. We don't have to have it, have it all figured out. He actually wants us to come with a little bit of faith because then we're trusting him in the process. He's saying, man, when you give your request and you sow that seed, it's a little bit of faith, it's a little bit, watch me, I'm gonna make this thing flourish. Trust me, it's gonna be great but it's scary, right? That first step is we have to trust that God's gonna do something when we plant that seed in the ground. We start praying for that prayer, that person, that problem, or that promise. We gotta start praying today. We gotta sow a seed of prayer and watch God do big things with it. Reminds me of a quote by the great hockey player, Wayne Gretzky. He famously said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? And so for us in our lives, if we're thinking about things, we're not praying about them. We're not allowing God to have opportunities to do big things. Now, will God still work? I believe yes and amen. But when we're just deciding to keep it all to ourselves, we're not allowing God to have the freedom to work in and through your life fully. You say, all right, God, here's my little bit of faith. I'm gonna sow this seed, you do the rest. He's like, amen, I'm coming in. Don't worry, I'll take over. And so we gotta take that first step and sow a seed. If you wonder why God isn't showing up in our lives, pretty much bluntly put, we're probably the problem. <laughs> we're probably the problem because we're preventing God 
from working in our life in those faith moments. And that's a statement not for just you, that's a statement for me too. When there's moments and seasons where I don't see God at work, it's probably because I'm afraid of truly allowing God to get in there and get in those scary moments where I'm gonna trust him to answer those requests or trust him to take over and do good in my life. So God will still work within us, but let's allow opportunities for his great love, his great power, and his great grace to be displayed in and through us so others can see that and come to know of the hope in Jesus. And so our first step again is pray and sow seeds of prayer. It could be big and small. It could be sowing a seed of prayer over a coworker that you kind of know, maybe know pretty well. They always like take your coffee from the break room and you're like, eh, I'll pray for you. Sow a seed of prayer for that person because they might be going through some hard stuff in life. Sow a seed of prayer over the little owie that your kid has, that little, the little boo-boo that, you know, they scratch and let's pray for it, right? And I'm going to pray that you don't scratch the scab and it keeps bleeding and never heals and all those things, right? <laughs> Gross. Anyway, we can sow a seed for a person that just cut us off on the road and say, man, Lord Jesus, teach that person a lesson. I just pray there's a cop around the corner. Get them because, man. We can sow a seed for a person or a friend of ours that has left the church. Maybe they've actually been hurt. They've had some things happen and they've just lost all faith and hope in who God is. Sow a seed for that person. Even if you feel like they're long gone, sow a seed for them. For the, for the spouse or friend or relative who has a disease that seems incurable or a physical ailment that is continuing to prevent them from enjoying life. You're like, it's been years and years and it's not getting any better. Take a step of faith and sow a seed for that person. Believe that little bit of faith that God will do something, that God will work in that moment, in that situation. Sow a seed for the family member or friend that's hurt you, that just took that knife and just drived it deep in your heart and has twisted it a couple of times. Sow a seed for them that God's forgiveness can work in your life and theirs as well. Take that step of faith and sow a seed for them. For the spouse that has cheated on you and has just ruined your life, sow a seed for them. Say, Lord, I'm praying for this person who has hurt me so deep in ways that I can't even verbalize, but God, I'm just praying for them. I'm praying that you show your love to them. Sow a seed for the big, the small, everything in between. But take that step, take that action step and believe that God will honor those small faith beginnings to show his great power and love in and throughout those moments and situations. Now, something with all seeds, but with the mustard seed in particular, is it takes about 10 days to germinate. Other seeds less, other seeds more. Um, but no matter what, there's this process of germination where for a while, you don't know what's going on with what you just planted. You're like, I put it in the ground, covered it with soil. What's going on? Like, you just don't see what is going on. And I call that like the awkward silence stage of not only growing things, but just in life. And I think what we have to take from this, and again, this is a struggle that I deal with a lot, is we have to be okay with the awkward silence. We have to be okay 
when we see from our perspective like things aren't happening, but really there is still work being done. That little seed, that when it goes to that little germination you know, time, from the outside, it's like, what's going on, little guy? Like, are you going to sprout? Are you going to grow? What's going on? And it seems like nothing's happening. And all of a sudden, phew, it sprouts and it grows and roots, and it's like this huge, massive shrub bush tree thing. And you're like, this is awesome. I got to have mustard on my hot dog now. Great. And so when we see that awkward silence, we have to be okay and trust that God is still working during that time. That there are still things that are occurring within that silent time, and we got to be okay with it. We got to be okay with it because honestly, if we're not okay with it, that's our problem because God is still working. God is still moving in those moments, and we make the journey either great or not so great. And so we have to come to that position and that, that, that reality of, all right, I'm trusting that God is still working in and through these moments, even when it seems like nothing is happening. So when we sow a seed a prayer over a person, a problem, or a promise, it might take some time to germinate. It might take some time for it to get going. It might look like nothing is happening, but trust that God is doing something. He is probably slowly softening the heart of your friend who has left the church, is done with Christ, is done with you, whatever it is, but God is slowly working on them. You might not see it from the outside because they're still pretty against church and pretty against a lot of things, but God is slowly working on their heart. Or that person who has a disease or a physical ailment, and it seems like from the outside, I don't know if they're getting better, but those small little steps are happening and they're seeing like, wow, I just feel better all of a sudden today. And these little baby steps are occurring. Your perspective, it still seems silent, but what God is doing is huge and big things. When we're in the waiting period, what do we do? What do we do in that awkward silence time? Well, from a farming seed planting perspective, which the audience again that Jesus was talking to would probably get this better than we would, is they would continue to water their seed, right? They're like, yeah, I'm a farmer. I sow my seed, I plant it, I keep watering it. I want it to grow. And so for us in a spiritual prayer area, we need to do the same. We need to keep watering our seed, keep watering that seed that we have sowed, that we have prayed over. And that means we keep praying. We don't stop. We keep praying for what that prayer request is constantly. It's not just a one and done, like, there's my seed. I've taken that first act, action step. We good. No, it's, yeah, you plant it, then you keep watering. You keep praying over that, that seed that you have sowed. And it makes sense from a farming standpoint. You don't just abandon your little tiny baby mustard seed plant. Like, you want to keep it watering. You want to keep praying over that thing so that it grows and it flourishes. And same within our prayer life and the things that we're praying for is we keep, keep watering. We keep praying over it. But then why are we not okay with the time it takes for prayer to be answered? Or why are we not okay with putting in the faith work and to keep watering or praying those seeds? And this is where I felt like the Lord, the Holy Spirit kind of just hit me a little bit of a soul punch and maybe this resonates with you as well. Um, as I believe in my own life, there's multiple times that I'm not okay with God being God, that I still struggle with me figuring it out and me making things happen. 
Um, I feel like I'm a fairly smart person, pretty logically minded. And when I look at situations, I'm like, there's no way. Like that does not logically make sense. So I don't know about this. And that's where the Holy Spirit's like, Coop, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take a back seat, man. You gotta, you gotta take a step back on this because God is God and he will work in every situation. Even if you logically don't think it makes sense, God doesn't care about that as his specific first response. What he cares about is his glory being displayed and people coming to know the hope in Jesus Christ. A lot of times that means there's growth that happens in our life, not only in that prayer request that's occurring, but in our life having faith that God is in the process. I stumbled upon a verse in Isaiah 55 this week in my own reading time, and it says this in Isaiah 55, verses eight and nine. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. So my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Now that sounds kind of arrogant, you're like, man, this God guy thinks he's got it all figured out. Newsflash, he's got it all figured out. He's God. He created everything. He created the heavens and the earth. Of course, his ways are higher than our ways. He gets it. Like, he gets the big picture. And that's where we have to have that faith. And it is tough, but God asks us just to obey and be obedient and take that step and submit under his ways and trust him in the process and say, all right, God, you're gonna be God. You're gonna, you're gonna use this seed that I've planted and it's gonna grow. It's gonna grow. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just keep watering it. I'm gonna keep praying over it. But God, you ultimately are gonna be the one that grows this seed into something that I think I have an idea, but you probably have a way better idea because you're God. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So I'm gonna trust in that process. And I think what we also have to then be okay with in knowing that God is overall and God's ways are higher than our ways is sometimes we may not experience the fruit. Sometimes we may not see that prayer request happen in our life. We might not see it answered how we think it should be answered. Usually it's answered in ways that are far greater than what we could have imagined, but it could be for future generations and God was just using the prayer that you started. He grew that and the water that you provided so that future generations can take from that and glean from it and be blessed from it. So I wanna read a quick excerpt um, from Draw the Circle. It's on page 75. And the author says this um, in context of we may not experience the fruit. He says, toward the end of his life, Honey, the circle maker, was walking down a dirt road when he saw a man planting a carob tree, Pony questioned him, how long will it take this tree to bear fruit? The man replied, 70 years, Honey said. Are you quite sure you will live another 70 years to eat its fruit? The man replied, perhaps not. However, when I was born to this world, I found many carob trees planted by my father and grandfather. Just as they planted trees for me, I am planting trees for my children and grandchildren, so they will be able to eat the fruit of these trees. Then he says this a little further down. Even when we die, 
our prayers don't. It's a pretty big statement. What he's saying from that is we might have an expectation. We might want that quick feedback like we talked about earlier within our culture. And we might want to have the immediate reaction of God answering that prayer and saying, here's your answer. Here you go. Awesome. Just as you thought. There's probably a lot of times where what we have sowed, that seed is just the start of greater things for the future. And we've been blessed by people probably praying prayers earlier and before us that we're reaping from. So sometimes those prayers that we pray, that we sow, are for future generations and people to experience and glean from. In the early 1900s, a woman by the name of Henrietta Mears, Dr. Henrietta Mears, was a Sunday school teacher for young adults in Southern California. In her early life, as a, as a grade school um, girl, she had a lot of physical ailments, and she almost died. It was a miracle healing. Um, she was healed of what was going on in her life, and so she said, hey, I really want to pursue Christ in all that I do. I want to become a vocational minister. Like, I want to do this for a job, and I want to tell people about Jesus. I want to be faithful with the small things that God has given me. I want to see him multiplied. She's like, I don't have a lot to offer, but I want to just see God use me for his kingdom. And so she became a Sunday school teacher, and the Sunday school that she taught grew to 6,000 college students. That's a pretty small Sunday school. They had a lot of snack that they'd pass out in that Sunday school. So right there, you can say like, man, this lady, her prayer was answered. Like 6,000 people were coming to her Sunday school and she was teaching them and, and all those things. And in my, my thing, I'm like, amen, sister. Like your request was answered, like God used you. But then there was three people from her Sunday school um, curriculum and classes that came out of uh, that. Sorry if the mic is popping a little bit. We're almost done. And um, these are the three people. And I was kind of blown away by just the power that the Lord used within her small faith-filled prayer. Just use me, Lord, to help others. I'm going to switch really quick. Testing, one, two, three. Cool. And this is, these are the three people that came out of her Sunday school. First one, Jim Rayburn. He was the creator and leader of Young Life. He was the guy who started that whole movement. And if you're familiar with Young Life, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of young people have come to hear the gospel. There's probably a lot of us in this room that can say, man, that's how I heard about Jesus was through Young Life. He came out of her movement. Another person, Bill Bright, the leader of Campus Crusade for Christ. And through his efforts, there's probably a lot of people as well that have said, yeah, I was on a college campus and somebody shared the gospel with me through Campus Crusade for Christ. Well, Bill Bright came out of that movement, and literally hundreds of millions of people have been exposed to the gospel through his efforts, not only here in the U.S., but worldwide. Then the third person was like a little preacher man named Billy Graham, I think is his name, was the third person. And through his efforts, no surprise, he did huge things and changed the tide of a lot of cultural issues happening on within America. And what's interesting, too, is... Dr. Mears passed away in 1963. She saw some of the start of those movements that her fellow students started, but she didn't see the fruit completely. I mean, we're still seeing fruit from those movements, right? We're, I mean, I went to crew in college. My in-laws were literally saved through crew. I mean, it's so cool to see how God uses people. 
And so she didn't see all of the fruit that happened. So even though she passed on, her prayer didn't. It still carried on. And that first step that she just sowed a seed and said, Lord, use me. Use me with the small, and I want to just help multiply that. God said, okay. And she thought, like, 6,000 people at my Sunday school. That's awesome. God's like, no. How about, like, 100 billion people, <laughs> like, hearing about the gospel? And it's like, sweet. And so our small prayers that we sow today, like a mustard seed, can and will turn into large, large trees, large shrubs, but they can turn into a place of solace for many to come to. Much like it says, the birds found their way and nested in the branches of the mustard seed tree. Our small prayers can grow to huge lengths, and God can use them in powerful, powerful ways. The author says this in the book. He says, if we do little things like big things, then God will do the big things like little things. We got to have faith in the process. We got to say, hey, I'm going to take that first action step. I'm going to sow a seed of prayer. And so again, I want to challenge you. If you haven't written down that prayer yet over a person, a problem, or a promise, whatever it is, if you haven't done that yet, I want to encourage you today to do that. Write it down. If you have another one or another three or another five to write down, do it today. Take that first step. Sow a seed of prayer and put it on the wall. And keep watering it. Keep praying over it and watch God do some amazing things in and through it. We've got to sow a seed. We've got to be okay with that awkward silent stage of like, what's going on? We need to keep watering that seed and trust that fruit will come from it. But it may not be our fruit. It could be fruit for future generations, which that's awesome. That's amazing as well, knowing the truth that our legacies can carry on and go on. So let's allow God to be God. We'll be okay with the answers, even if we don't see them right away. Let's pray.